Welcome to weekly messages from the pulpit of Graceway Baptist Church on Capitol Hill. Find out more at gracewaydc.com. Happy Thanksgiving from Graceway. This week, enjoy a message on gratitude from Psalm 100. The natural result of gratitude is sacrifice and service, not the sacrifices of lambs and goats, but of my body, my song, my prayer, my service, and my repentance. These five sacrifices are to be offered to God for all He's done. Here's Pastor Brad Wells with a message called Thanks Living, Offering a Life of Gratitude and Service. your Bible this morning, please turn to the 100th Psalm. And the very center of your Bible is uh, an ancient hymn book, thousands of years old. And it is um, originally composed in Hebrew, but obviously translated to us um, into English. And it is uh, the song of believers throughout generations, throughout nations, all different classes and types of people, and uh, uh, the people of God. And I am so grateful to be included in that number, the people of God. And it's not of anything good that I have done, but the Lord Jesus Christ and his sacrifice that brought us in. And that's what we're talking about today is sacrifice. Sacrifice and that attitude of gratitude. Without the attitude of gratitude, you are vulnerable to all sorts of diseased attitudes that can come in. And entitlement is just one of them. I deserve this. I deserve that. And anger and resentment, bitterness, all of those come because our Our spiritual immune system has failed. And that spiritual immune system is that attitude of gratitude. So Thanksgiving is absolutely vital, so very important. This Thursday, don't just blow it right by uh, on your way to Christmas, uh, but but really make it a big deal. Uh, The pilgrims, um, uh, my wife and I wrote a little letter there at the beginning of your bulletin. Uh, Look at that. Not right now, but a look at that and 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 use it as something uh, seed thoughts to develop um, more gratitude, more thankfulness in your own heart and then into your home. Now, when it comes to sacrifice, we live in the nation and the freedom that we enjoy because somebody sacrificed. Matter of fact, the freedom we enjoy has nothing to do with our own sacrifice. Now, we have sacrificed, and last week we honored our veterans and honored the sacrifice of many uh, retired and serving uh, members of the military. But honestly, the the sacrifice that they have made and are currently making have nothing to do with our freedom now. That's tomorrow's freedom. We are living in the light of yesterday's sacrifice. Our forefathers that have went before us and laid down their lives. And we're going to talk about five specific sacrifices that God calls each one of us to make. And these sacrifices are to be done with the right attitude. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty good at doing the right thing with the wrong attitude. How many of you are qualified in that like me, all right? And you do the right thing. Nobody can accuse you of doing the wrong thing, but your attitude is just not quite right. And sometimes quite wrong. And and the, the balance is you want the right attitude and these five sacrifices that must be made. We're in Psalms 100, and it begins with Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. It is a mistake to think that God is only interested maybe in the Jews or or in Israel. God is and has always been interested in all the people of all the earth. God created everyone. And this whole idea of a, a higher class and a lower class of people, that is indeed a social construct. That is not from God. That is not eternal. God is interested in a joyful attitude, worship and praise from everyone 
of all time, of all people, all ye lands, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And then it goes on, verse two, serve the Lord with what? Gladness. Come before his presence with singing. So God is asking us, God is inviting us to come before him, to enter into his presence with joy, gladness, and now song. Verse three, know ye that the Lord, he is God. Now that is absolutely vital because there's all sorts of false deities claiming to be God. And there's all sorts of elements in your life and mine that are trying to gather worship. And we are guilty of bestowing worship in these wrong places. Know ye that the Lord, that is Jehovah, he is God. It is he that hath made us. By the way, God made us to worship. And we long to be surrounded by something greater than ourselves. That's why the mountains or the, or the river or the lake it is amazing. That's why I, I, I like surfing in the, in, the, in the warm weather and the power of the waves. I remember the first time my dad gave me a, a surfing lesson. I believe I was 10 years old and dad was talking about the power of the waves, but I was 10. And I don't think he fully realized how powerful I was at 10. And we entered into the, into the surf, just the baby surf right there, just coming up to our knees or maybe our waist. And I felt those waves crashing against me. But that, I still had some strength there. And I waited out a little bit further. And Dad said, all right, you dive under the waves. And these waves will come over you. They'll just grab you and twirl you around and throw you to the bottom of the, into the sand. And I said, no, no, no. Oh, yeah, the power of that water. And now winter, at the, the grandeur of the mountains. And you, there's something beautiful and inviting about something greater. And that's what sports is about. You see these athletes that can do these things that we can't do. And it's all organized and precision and wow. And it overwhelms us. And that really invokes worship. Worship is recognizing something is greater than us. And we need to realize that God hath made us and not we ourselves. We're not self-made. God has made us. God has created. We are his people. These are the identifiers. We belong to him. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Now that puts us in a very vulnerable state. We're not wolves. We're not able to care for ourselves. We're not shepherds. We're sheep. We're sheep of his pasture. It's his land. He's fenced it, and he's taking care of us. Look at verse number four. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And this is that image of that pasture now being transcribed into a grand courtroom, the, the, the grandeur of the palace of heaven. And we are invited to enter into the presence of God, his gates, with thanksgiving. What is the entry pass? What is the ticket to get into the presence of God? It's an attitude of gratitude. It's the expression of thanksgiving. So I want to ask you this question. How good are you at expressing genuine thanksgiving? Genuine gratitude. Now, all of us are fairly decent at saying, hey, thanks. Oh, that was great. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. But something real, something that's way down inside, that's what God's looking for. But not just the gates, the outside court, and into his very court, his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. That's what God wants. God wants from me not some great athletic ability or some great intelligence or some great whatever, whatever. God wants this attitude of recognizing that he is greater and I belong to him. And it's warm and it's, it's welcoming. November and December are some of the most stressful months of the year. 
people feel stressed. They feel strained and squeezed and wrung out. And you can figure out why. Uh, there's pressure to buy a gift for the people we love. Uh, there's a uh, We've, we've got to meet again with people we haven't seen in a while. There's expectations, and you want to outdo this and that and the other thing, and all these elements. But God is calling us just to praise him, just to express thanksgiving. Remember what Jesus said? Become like this little child. As we become like this little child, it's so easy for children to express thanksgiving and to offer praise and recognize something higher than themselves. But as we grow, as we mature, we become puffed up with pride in our own abilities. Look what I've learned to do. Look at the fifth verse here. For the Lord is good. Now the accuser of the brethren, the devil, your enemy, is going to say God's not good. Oh, but he is good. The Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endureth to all generations. God is good, and his goodness is still present. He has mercy, and he has truth for you and I. It endures. We can know the way. We can go that way. You can be successful in this life. You can have this right attitude, which will lead to the right sacrifices that are to be made. Now, what sacrifices does God require of me? give you five. The first one here, Romans chapter number 12. If you would go to Romans chapter 12, I want you to see verses one and two. As you're going there, I want to just read Psalms 107 and verse number 22 to you. It says this, and let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. You know what God's people are supposed to do? Here it is. Sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. William Shakespeare said this, I hate ingratitude more than lying, vainness, babbling, drunkenness, or any cant of vice whose strong corruption inhabits our frail blood. He went on further and said this, how sharper the serpent's tooth it is to have a thankless child. John Milton, the, the great poet of the 1600s, said this, He that is ungrateful has no guilt but one, for all other crimes may pass for virtues than with that man. In other words, an ungrateful attitude is one of the worst crimes that we can commit. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, many times we pray to God, and I want to encourage you, pray to God. Your prayers are holy. We'll get to that one in just a second. But this is God speaking through Apostle Paul to the church in Rome, but actually to all of us. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. You know what beseech means? It means to pray. It means to beg. And here God is asking you, and asking me to present our bodies. The first sacrifice we need to make is our body. My body should be a sacrifice to the Lord. The Bible declares that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit of God. God doesn't dwell in temples and people come visit God every you know, Sunday or Saturday or whatever. No, no. God created our bodies to inhabit the presence of God. When Adam sinned, that, uh, that presence and that blessing was ruined, spoiled, and there was separation between God and man. In Genesis chapter 3, God promised that the mediator would come and that he would come from the seed of the woman, which is a strange way that God put it. 
because the woman doesn't have the seed. The man has the seed. Here God is speaking of the virgin birth and how God would reveal the Messiah and he would be born of of woman. Have you presented your body to God? Now, if you're like me, you're like, God, why would you want this body? What do you want with this? And I guess there's two, two errors that people make. One's on the left, one's on the right. One error is God wouldn't want my body. It's God doesn't care about this. And the other is we start to deify our bodies. And we get, we get too, uh, we get thinking too high and lofty about who we are and what we've done. We look in the mirror and we think, whoa, it's all right. No, no, no. But we need to present them before God. Notice in verse 2 that we are not to be conformed to the world. That is, our shape, our structure, our thinking, our identity is not to society, but to God. Be not conformed, but transformed. Well, how am I to be transformed? By the renewing of your mind. You've got to change your thinking. And God works in the, in the changing of our thoughts. And that's how he renews us. That's how we're transformed. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See, the goal is to know God's will in my life and in my body to live out the holiness of God. How does that happen? It happens in the mind as it's transformed and ceases to be conformed to the image around me. All that pressure that's pushing you and forcing you to think like this and to be molded like this. Listen, God has presented the scripture, the eternal truth. This is what is supposed to conform me. So you know what? Every day I read God's word. I've been reading God's word every day uh, since I was about, uh, well, I guess about four. And my mom started teaching me to read as I sat next to her on the on the steps of our house. And she would point at the words and I would try to sound them out. And mostly I was just trying to guess, but uh, we would read together. And you know what? All through life, I read the Bible. It wasn't necessarily my will. It was more her will being enforced upon me, but it worked. And uh, this next year, I want to encourage you we're going to read the Bible again. We're going to pass out a calendar in the month of December. And I want, I'm going to ask you to make a commitment to God to read through the Bible this year. If you've never read through the Bible, 2023, I want to encourage you, read through the Bible with me. I'm going to do it again. I've done it many, many times. We're going to read together. We're going to read, we're going to memorize the scripture. We're going to read the scripture. We're going to study the scripture. Thursday nights, we're going to study the very things we've read. I'm going to preach on it. I'm going to, you know what? The scripture is what is to be conforming us into the image of God. It's his will that we can prove the will of God. Now, this is a picture Uh, Go back to verse number one here. This is a picture of a sacrifice, the presentation of a sacrifice. The interesting thing about this sacrifice is it's living. Uh, In the Old Testament, there were uh, offerings or sacrifices made, but they were dead. We're alive. And in some ways, we think, boy, it would be easier if I didn't have a will, if I was already dead. But every day I've got to wake up and represent myself to God. And, and somebody has said the problem with living sacrifices is they keep wanting to climb down off the altar. And that's true with me. And now in the Old Testament, what they had, the priest had these two hooks. They were called flesh hooks. And that new sacrifice that was to be presented on the altar there Um, had to be dragged up into place and held into place. And I think we have two flesh hooks that need to be used to keep us presented properly before God. One is devotion and the other is diligence. I am going to do right. I love God. I am going to resist evil. I will do what God is asking me to do. And those two flesh hooks drag myself, drag you, drag us, our bodies before God, and we live out a holy 
sacrificial life before God. It's a volunteer thing. It's willing. It is a complete thing. I, God wants all of me, and it's continuous. God wants it every day, your whole life, not just the end of your life, not just the beginning of your life, the whole thing. Because he gave all, we should give all, my body. Now, not only my body for our first point, but number two, my song. You know, nothing quite defines people like the music that they listen to. Um, it's, it's quite amazing. The music of a people, the song of the soul, is uh, gives voice to people's beliefs, their, uh, their whole life, and can direct them in the most confusing time. You need to give your voice of praise to God through song. Hebrews 13 and verse number 15 says this, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. What comes out of my mouth is like the free will offering, that first fruits that is to be given to God. It is to be worshipful. It is to be praising to God. Many times, those of us that are trying to make a difference, and that's really our theme this year, making a difference. In Washington, D.C., uh, people from all different walks and thoughts come to make a difference. That's why they come. And they come here and are surprised to see, well, D.C. is talked, spoken of as the swamp, the swamp that needs to be drained, and that swampiness is the corruption. But here's the problem. The corruption is not in the city. The corruption is in the heart of man. We are the swamp, the tendency for greed and lust and desire. And so we're trying to drain the swamp out there. The swamp is within us. And so, difference makers, let me say, to the, say this to you. Our lips must be producing a song of praise to God continually. Psalm 69, verses 30 and 31 says, I will praise the name of God with a song. You hear that, that desire, that commitment, I will do it. I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. This week, and it should be every week, we need to be focused on living out that attitude of gratitude, that thanksgiving. Verse 31 says, this also shall please the Lord better than an ox or a bullock that hath horns and hooves. In other words, in the Old Testament, that sacrifice, that lamb or that, that goat or that, that ox or, or whatever it was, horns and hooves, God didn't need meat or, or blood or horns or hoofs. God didn't want that. God wants gratitude. God wants praise. And even in the Old Testament, before the Messiah came to complete the, the ultimate blood offering, and all of this was just a picture, the attitude of gratitude, praise and thanksgiving is the ultimate desire that God has. What is the song of your heart? What is your song? What is your vibe? Now, pretty much anywhere you go, uh, different athletes, maybe at a baseball game, will have a song that they play, and it's called their walk-up song. And this kind of uh, helps people identify, oh, that's them. Oh, they like that song. It's that style. It's got this sound. What's your song? New couples often have their song, or maybe old couples. And this is our song. And it kind of it kind of encapsulates, encapsulates their life and, and some of the emotions and the feelings that has been there. The song of our life should be a song of praise. Isaac Watts wrote this, Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? Was it for crimes that I had done? He groaned upon the tree. Amazing pity, grace unknown, and love beyond degree. Well might the sun in darkness hide, 
and shut his glories in when Christ, the mighty maker, died for man, the creature's sin. Thus might I hide my blushing face while his dear cross appears, dissolve my heart in thankfulness and melt my eyes to tears. And you probably know this part, but drops of grief can ne'er repay the debt of love I owe. Here, Lord, I give myself away. Tis all that I can do. And we have sung that song for centuries and centuries now. It's a beautiful song. It is the song of the servant of God. Don't let an enemy of God put a different song in your life. Some self-promoting, some idealistic song of corruption or lust or frustration or anxiety or anger replace the song of praise. Psalm 34 verse 1 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth all the time. You know, the music of your heart and the lyrics of your lips will affect the direction you go. I've listened to music and it seemed like all the flowers wilted, all the birds died, and the trees were never there. And all of a sudden, I have switched stations. And again, I felt the love of God and the presence of my Creator. And the birds started singing again. Again, I could see the flowers had color and the gentle breeze had oxygen for my life. All of that is in a song. There is power. There is incredible power, directive power in music. Psalms 119 verse 108 says, Except I beseech thee the freewill offerings of my mouth, O Lord, and teach me thy judgments. This week, I want you to live out your thanksgiving. I want you to speak by willpower. Praise to God. I will praise God. I'm not going to be so focused on my problems. I'm not going to be so distracted by the chaos around me. But I will bless God, my creator, my light, my savior, my body, my song. And now number three, my prayer. We're talking about sacrifices, and all of these points are tied directly to Scripture. Psalms 141, verse number two, says, Let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense. Now here the psalmist has been describing different stations within the tabernacle or the temple of the Old Testament. And here is another illustration. My prayer is to be set forth before God as incense and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Now, there are seven stations within the tabernacle or the temple. And this next year, we're going to be teaching through those in a series. And it really shows God's master plan at building us and building the universe and heaven uh, in the future. But the brazen altar of sacrifice was the first thing you would see as you entered the gates of the tabernacle. And the lamb that was slain was there um, uh, on that brazen altar. Now, what the priest would do is he would take some of the coals from off that brazen altar and bring it into the holy place, not the holy of holies, but the holy place. And he would go there before the golden altar of incense. And then they would take this special fragrance that uh, was only to be made before God. It wasn't made and to be distributed in the priests wearing at home. None of that stuff. And this was to be offered before the Lord. And it was a picture of prayers going beyond our physical realm into the supernatural spiritual realm. And there was a great curtain, much like this golden curtain here, and I can't get past that curtain, but the fragrance of that incense can. 
And it's a picture of, I can't be in the presence of God. I'm right here doing my thing right here in this life, but my prayers go before God. One of the greatest opportunities you have in this life is your prayer. Now, if you could go before, you know, this senator or you could go before this a member of Congress or you could go before this court and you could present some words and they would listen to you. They want to hear from you. Well, you would meet with friends and say, what should I say? And how should I craft this sentence? And should I use this word? Or is there a better word I could use? And you would get all this advice and boy, you'd be ready. You would, you would, you would sleep and you'd eat the right food and, and you would push away other friends and distractions. You say, I've got this great thing. And then you would walk in, even if it was just a sentence or two or 30 seconds to present this before the member of the Supreme Court or the vice president or the president or, or the mayor or whoever this person of influence was. And, and you would present this. Well, far beyond that, immeasurably above that. God is asking us to present things before him. You have the opportunity to present things before God. And, and God says, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord, and he turneth it whithersoever he will. God does whatever he wants. And he's saying, you, my ambassadors on earth, you, my family members here on earth, would you present to me some items and some things. We need to present our, our heart before the Lord in prayer. It's a picture of incense, and that fragrance is released. And that fragrance is released and then ascends to God through the veil. But that fragrance is released as, as that oil is put on those coals. In other words, it's burned up. This is the element of sacrifice. Now, let me step away from Scripture and holy and spiritual things and say, this concept is true in everything. For family, uh, for, for the nation, for your own um, uh, promotion, uh, for every element of life, there will be no progress without sacrifice. Somebody else's or yours. And that's the element of the animal must be killed and its blood poured out. That's the element of that beautiful fragrant oil must be poured on those coals and it's burned up and that, that fragrance is released. The fragrance of my life and your life is only released as it is allowed to die, to be burned up, to be poured out. And we retreat from that. I... I want to preserve my life. I don't want to give myself, but God asks us to trust him and pour ourselves out before him just like an offering, just like a sacrifice before him. It's a picture of volunteering, of surrendering. It's a picture of asking for help. It's a picture of requesting a recognition from somebody who wants to speak to us. My prayer. Notice here, I was taught to pray with the folding of my hands, and, and I still do that, and, and that's good. But the, the biblical way, actually, is, is spoken of here in, in 141 verse 2, the lifting up of my hands. Now, if I was to lift up my hands, what does that symbolize to you? Surrender. Recognition. Who would like to do this? I'll do this. I'm going to volunteer. That's what our prayer is. My prayer is I surrender to your will, God. My prayer is, God, I need your help. My prayer is, well, why does surrender, why lifting up my hands, why, why is that surrender? Because now you can see my hands. The opposition can see the hands. And here, God, I, I'm, I'm revealing everything to you, my prayer. 
Let me give you the fourth one. Not only my body, my song, my prayer, but my service, my service. Hebrews 13 and verse number 16 says, but to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such, what's the word? Sacrifices, God is well pleased. God is pleased with our sacrifice before him. And God wants us to present ourselves directly before him. Now, we read earlier verse number 15, and that is the verse we talked about with the, with the song, the fruit of our lips. But not just what we say, but verse number 16, what we do. What we say and what we do matters to God. Now, that word communicate is not just to, to, to talk. Communicate means to distribute, to give, to allocate. And you know what God wants? He wants that first fruits. He doesn't want the leftovers. Um, if you were, uh, men, if you were to give uh, some flowers to your wife, oh, she'd be happy. She'd be thrilled. But if you said, yeah, I was doing all this stuff and, you know, we, we had these two extra flowers and we were, I didn't know what else to do with them so I could throw them away or give them to you. All of a sudden, all that excitement has been deflated. Flowers are so valuable if they come first. And that's why the florists do so well. The, the more they cost, the more value they add to the relationship. So guys, go in and pay $45 for this flower. Why? Not for the flower, but for what it will bring into that relationship. And God wants first. God wants what's first in my life. Don't make the mistake of giving yourself to all these different things and the leftovers to God. Every day, give that first element to God. Now, you're going to wake up in the morning, if you're like most everybody else, and we are, with all sorts of anxiety and frustrations. Don't start fighting all those wars. Present yourself before the Lord. Read the scripture. Pray. What I recommend is just a little prayer, just, just a very short prayer. Don't go through a prayer list praying about everybody. Just a very short prayer of surrender and commitment to the Lord. And then read a portion of the Bible. I would recommend systematically just keep marching through the word. There'll be some spots that are just wonderful to you and other parts that are, seem a bit dry to you. But that's okay. Just keep marching through it and say, God, speak to me. And then when you're done with your reading, then commence with a, a longer prayer and start going through your uh, list and those, those priorities and those anxieties that you have. So just start with a very short prayer to the Lord. Lord, here I am. I'm yours. This is the day. I've got a lot of things, but Lord, I give them to you. And then listen, as you're reading, you are not trying to accomplish the, the task of your eyes going over every word. You're trying to listen for, for God's direction. God, lead me. God, show me. And then when you've, when you've read how much you should read, maybe it's a decision you made or, or maybe God spoke to you, then, then reply with, thank you, Lord. Thank you for directing me. And then, Lord, here's the petitions of my heart and of my life. And I feel like these are important to your cause and they're important to me. And, and Lord, if they're not important to you, but they are important to me, Please change my heart because, boy, this just seems so big. But, but Lord, please guide me and direct me. That's what God wants. God wants in my life. Now, as we're talking here about this fourth element, my service. In the Hebrew language and in the, and in the Jewish or the Hebrew mind, work and worship are actually connected. And, and there's one word that they use for that, and it is abodaba. And uh, it, simply word, it simply means that what I do, I'm doing for the Lord. Aboda. And there's other forms of it. So let's practice that. Aboda. 
da. Avodah. Avodah is a Hebrew word that means our English word, service. This is the word that Joshua used when he was bringing the children of Israel into the promised land. And he said, choose you this day whom you will serve. Serve means work and worship. You're going to work for. Now, last week we just recognized servicemen. And those are people that are giving their the labor of their life to a cause that's greater than them. That is the combination of these two elements, work and worship. Now, in the Western mindset, we compartmentalize everything. I work here. I get so much per hour. There's a promotion and uh, upgrade coming at 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 certain point, and I go to church over here. And what we must do if we are going to be effective for the Lord, we've got to pull that slat out between those boxes, and they must be combined. My work and my worship must come together. I am doing this task, many times a servile duty, many times something I really don't enjoy. Many times this is drudgery or excruciatingly painful, but I am doing it for God. That's what will allow you to have that right attitude. This last Thursday, one of our young ladies was uh, setting up the tables to serve everybody, and I saw that uh, she had just a really happy attitude. And, and so that was contagious. I was happy. And, and I asked something about uh, the service that night or something. And they said, no, I, I won't be able to be in service. I'll be in the nursery. And my heart sank just a little bit. And I thought as they were laboring and, and working, there, they had already been there for a good 30 minutes setting things up. Now they were serving food. Then they're going to be in the nursery. And I, I had to bite my tongue because I, I wanted to say, oh, I'm, I'm oh. And my wife overheard, and I, I kind of stepped away, and she said, don't say anything negative about that service. And I had been already studying this word, Abu Dhabi. Our work before the Lord is a wonderful privilege. And the more it costs us, the better it is. I'm bringing this before God. And it is what I can give. Lord, I'm so grateful and I'm so thankful. I'm yielding it before you. Service. This is what is meant in Psalms 100. We read it at the beginning. I want to read through it very quickly. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. That should be your heart. Serve the Lord with gladness. That's that word, Abu Dhabi. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. I want to give you the fifth and last point. We've spoke first off, number one, of the sacrifice of my, my body. And then secondly, of my song. And then my prayer, my service, and now number five, my repentance. In Psalm 51 and verse number 17, the Bible says, the sacrifices of, the Lord, of God are a broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. And this is actually David getting right with God after some time, maybe a year, possibly two years, of hiding his sin, the sin of adultery with Bathsheba, and then murder against her husband, Uriah the Hittite. And here he's finally getting right after being confronted by the prophet Nathan. And he came and tell, told that story of the, the little lamb. David's wrath was kindled. Nathan stuck his finger in his face and said, Thou art this king of Israel. Israel claims him as the first king. <laughs> of course, Saul was the first king. 
And he's a picture of the Antichrist that comes just before the Messiah. He's the picture of the, 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 the faker, the, the false one that comes right before the genuine, the genuine Christ. And here David had sinned, and he responds with a proper sacrifice. And that is a humbled heart, not hanging on to hardened pride. And realize this, my friend, it was our sins that became the nails and our hard hearts that became the hammers that executed Jesus, our Savior, God, our Creator. Isaiah 66, verses 1 and 2 says, Thus saith the Lord, The heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that ye build me? Here God is talking about, You're building me this great temple. You're building this great church. And where is the place of my rest? For all those things hath mine hand made. God said, I created everything. And all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look. What gets God's attention? Even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembleth at my word. This isn't talking about being financially poor. This is talking about what Jesus said, poor in spirit. It's the opposite of being proud and arrogant and self-made, and I'm going to do it. Saying, God, here's the sacrifice of my life. Here's my body. Here's my song. Here's my prayer. Here's my service. My service. And Father, here is my repentance. Here's my heart. I'm aware of the things I've done wrong. And God, I am sorry. One of the most important systems in our bodies is our immune system. Your immune system, my immune system right now is fighting off, I don't know, hundreds of different diseases. And When we're healthy, we're able to fend off all of that. And even though there's airborne sickness and waterborne sickness or whatever, we're able to stay healthy, maintain good health. The same thing happens in our spirit. But that attitude of thankfulness, the attitude of gratitude, is that emotional immune system. If you're not careful, that immune system gets compromised. We become ingrates. We fail to recognize all of God's blessings and bounty around us. And then we don't sacrifice to God. What God wants us to do is have a thankful heart that is wanting to sacrifice, counts it a privilege to sacrifice before God. We had a missions trip in New Guinea one time, and a pastor from New York came and he, he was a great athlete. He um, had run several times in the Boston Marathon and we were climbing up to 12,000 feet. As we we're climbing, we we're carrying our tools and different things to fix stuff on the uh, radio repeater. And it started raining and it was about 11,000 feet. It was cold, really cold. And he said something I'll never forget. He said, we're making money now. And there was a, a negative, heavy, this is impossible, what am I doing attitude in my heart, in most everybody's heart. But when he said, we're making money now, it changed everything. And it was like inviting the hardness inviting the difficulty because it's my privilege to offer this before the Lord. I don't know what you're going through right now, but would you bring that before God? God's not just interested in our assets. The thing God wants is our liability. And we say, God, I'm broken. I'm unable. I've failed at this and that. I feel so inept. 
I feel so empty. Bring that before God. That's what God wants. Let's stand to our feet. Would you take this week, the week of thanksgiving, and turn it into a life of gratitude, a life of sacrifice before the Lord? Maybe let's call it thanks living. Father, we yield ourselves before you. We come before you now. And Lord, we want to be used of you. We're guilty so often of selfish pride, personal ambition, promotion, positioning ourselves for our own personal gain. But Lord, this week, we humble ourselves. We offer you these five sacrifices, our body, our song, our prayer, our service, and our repentance. And right now, we repent of our own pride said, Lord, please use us and help us. Just with our heads bowed and our eyes closed in a spirit and an attitude of prayer. Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God. Jesus Christ died for you and for me. The gospel simply is that God so loved the world that he gave Jesus to die for you and me. And what you need to do right now, right in the privacy of your own heart, is offer that sacrifice of repentance and come before God and say, God, I admit it. I've done wrong and I'm not going to hold on to this pride anymore. I'm not going to accuse everyone of everything. God, before you, I admit I'm guilty and I need you. You are my creator. God, would you save me? Maybe right now in the privacy of your own heart, would you say, God, save me. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and he loves me and he died for me. And I'm repenting of my sin right now. No excuses, but oh God, save me. I want an attitude of gratitude. I want to have a thankful heart. I want to live out that thanksgiving. Oh, God, save me and change me. In the finished work of Christ, I ask and pray. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you were helped by that message from Pastor Brad Wells. Reach out to us anytime at gracewaydc.com or visit us in person, Sundays at 11, Thursdays at 7. Until next time, this has been Graceway Baptist Church on Capitol Hill, helping you make a difference. Music